Hey, welcome to the Danny Abel podcast, where I help you connect the dots between mindset, metabolism, nutrition, and fitness to help you easily understand complex health and wellness concepts. I'm thrilled you're here to listen to what I have to share. So let's dive right in. Hey guys, welcome back. On today's episode, I'm going to be sharing the difference between diets and nutrition. So I have been wanting to do this episode for a really long time. And since I'm focusing all my content this week on body composition and deficits, I thought now would be a really good time since many of you might be looking to start a diet in 2023. So hopefully this information comes at the right time and it prevents you from making some of the mistakes that I did. So as I mentioned, the reason why I wanted to do this episode is twofold. One, my own past personal struggles with this stuff. And anecdotally, just knowing that there are people out there, maybe you are one of them, that need this education because this is not taught. This is not taught to people, which I think is absolutely absurd, but hopefully one day it will be either in public education or in public health or healthcare. And honestly, I'm hoping to change that through my platform and my coaching practice. And then the other thing I would just say is just the reason why I say that anecdotally is because of my work with clients thus far. I mean, I was just counting the other day and you know, I'm probably like well over 70 clients in at this point, um, nearly two years into my practice. And what I have found is that there were only two people, two people that were actually eating enough at the level that was needed for their body. And I know that sounds kind of crazy, but let me unpack that for you in this episode. And I think it will make a lot more sense. So for me, when I decided to start improving my nutrition, if you will, I set out with a goal to lose weight. So of course I was hyper-focused on that and that was like my main outcome, but I thought I was like doing nutrition, (laughs) if you will, with my approach. You know, I was definitely eating healthier, which was a huge plus, and I was being more mindful of what I was eating, but what I was missing was how much to eat and for how long. And this is what I hear from many of my clients as well. You know, I think initially it's really easy to look at serving sizes and things like that, or even compare yourself to somebody else and kind of assume that you need to be eating that amount or you need to be eating less or you need to be eating more. But truly, we can't understand that unless we understand where your intake is at right now and for how long It has been at that level. So this is a concept that I call pre-tracking. And this is something that I do with all of my nutrition clients, whether it be private clients or group clients, because we have to know where we're starting from. So you as a human have your own very unique metabolism, which really just means how quickly or how slowly you burn energy for fuel. And this is determined by a whole bunch of different things. Um, I'm not going to get into that in this episode. Maybe at a future episode, we can talk about that. But it really is influenced by a number of factors. So we have to keep this in mind when we are determining you know, how much is appropriate to eat based upon our goals. So this concept is referred to as total daily energy expenditure, and it consists of your BMR, which is your basal metabolic rate, and that's needed for function. It's just needed to fuel your body, 
Make sure that your brain is working well and that your body is working well. Plus, we have to tack on your activity level. And your activity level can just be your normal day-to-day life. It does not need to be formal exercise, but it also includes formal exercise. So it can be anything from your time spent in the gym or training, plus the time needed to you know, go outside and walk to your mailbox, the time needed to like walk around your house and put away laundry, the time needed or the energy needed, excuse me, to go to the grocery store and gather up all your food for the week. I mean, the list goes on and on. So it's it's intentional exercise and then it's non-intentional exercise. And you may have referred to you may have heard that referred to as NEAT, non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So the thing that is confusing as fuck to people is that predicted TDEE total daily energy expenditure via a calculator is rarely correct unless unless you understand periodized nutrition. So for example, when when you calculate me, for example, if you were to calculate me, so I'll just give you my stats right now. I am 37 years old. I am 56. Am I 56 or am I 57? <laughs> I didn't write this part down. Um, I'm, I think I'm 5'6". Five, 5'6", six. Five, six, I'm 155 pounds. And what else? I'm female. I think that's probably all you'll need need for the calculator. But when you calculate me um, and you add on my training and steps, so I should tell you that. So training is, I would say, four days per week. Sometimes it's five, but usually four. I just kind of reduced that down recently. Four days per week. And my average daily step count is anywhere from like eight to nine K, sometimes 10,000. But I would say on average, definitely like eight K. So when you calculate that, I should be at or around 2,400 calories. Now, some of these calculators are going to be different, definitely. But if you kind of just take the average of three of them, you're going to get somewhere around that range. For me, because I understand this stuff, my maintenance calories right now are between 2,300 and 2,500 because I have a goal to maintain that because I want to eat that much food. And that much food makes me feel good in the gym. I can make progress in the gym and I'm not restricted. So I'm going to break this down for you and kind of how I got to these numbers and how you can get to these numbers for yourself and how to understand kind of what is the difference between a diet and periodized nutrition. So let's define what a diet is. A diet is simply a way of restricting something from your, from your intake. It could be total calories. It could be macronutrients, or it could be restricting the times that you eat, for example. And the goal with this is to create a calorie deficit. So what might be confusing is when people say things like, my diet, or somebody will ask you, like maybe you go to your provider's office, and they're like, well, what does your diet consist of? Or what does your diet look like? But truly, the word diet can mean for some people, and this is why we we need to understand more, like we need to ask more questions, it means energy restriction. But for some people who maybe just don't know any better, they might just be asking like, what is your intake like? Like both, both from a food quality perspective and from a food quantity perspective. But we really need to be more specific and ask more information. So when we're talking about an actual energy restriction, like the true meaning of a diet, 
there's a few different ways that we can create this. And these are some examples. This is not intended to be like a full on list. I mean, I'd be here forever telling you about all these different diets that are out there. But for total calorie restriction, this could be eating balanced, meaning like you're eating everything that you want to be including in your diet. So this could be like whole foods and some fun foods. And maybe you're tracking macros, for example, but you're restricting total overall energy intake to attempt or successfully create a calorie deficit in order to drop fat. So a second example here would be for for macronutrient restriction. A really, really common one is keto, where carbohydrates are restricted. And then lastly, from a time restriction standpoint, intermittent fasting um, is a really popular one here. But the idea here is that all three of these are designed to reduce your intake below some level. Okay. Now, the reason why I say below some level is because for a lot of people, that level is arbitrary. They don't know. And this is oftentimes, I'm going to do an episode about this. I actually just outlined it the other day. It'll be coming sometime in the near future, but I'm going to actually go through an episode about why doctors give the advice of 1200 calories because they, they, in the system, the way that it works right now um, if you come in and you have a consult or an appointment, like they're not going to take the time to pre-track your food and look at where your intake is at right now for seven to 10 days with you. So by giving you the advice of eating 1200, it's likely that that is going to be much lower, or at least it's going to be lower than where your current intake is at right now. So you'll have some success probably eating at that level and losing weight, but you don't know what to do next, or that works for a while and then you plateau. And so I'm going to go through why that happens with you today. And I'll unpack the 1200 calorie episode in another episode. But overall here, we're restricting something at some level, but we really need to know what is that level for you as an individual human, because this is where people get really stuck. They end up, this works for a while and then they plateau. They don't know why they plateaued. They don't know where their intake was at before, and they don't know what to do next. But I'm going to solve that for you in this episode, so keep listening. All right, so in order to understand the difference between dieting and nutrition, we need to understand the different phases of nutrition. Now, when I talk about phases or periodization of nutrition, primarily what I'm talking about here is energy intake. So this is calorie intake. This really doesn't have anything to do with like the approach that you're taking. For example, if you're using intuitive eating or if you're tracking macros or if you're tracking portions or if you're using the plate method, it doesn't have anything to do with that. That's kind of a separate piece. That's more or less like your approach, your nutritional approach. And there are definitely different phases that are more appropriate for different approaches. Um, For example, you can't create an energy deficit by eating intuitively. It's not going to happen for you. Sorry. (laughs) It's just not. But the other phases of phased and periodized nutrition are a diet break, which is time at maintenance in between a phase one and a phase two deficit. And then of course we have a phase two deficit. We have a reverse phase. We have a maintenance phase and we have a surplus phase. So the reason why it's important to be able to distinguish this is that We have to know this information in order to dictate what you need to do next with your nutrition. So if you know you're in a dieting phase, then you will know you need to increase energy expenditure after the dieting phase via a reverse diet in order to prevent weight gain. 
This right here is the gem, you guys. The secret, the hack, the tip, the whatever you want to call it. It's fine to go into a dieting phase, but you must understand how your body is going to respond and what to do next. Because if you don't, if you go back to start, if you just go back to eating normally again, you will regain the weight. Here's why this happens. This is a phenomenon called adaptive thermogenesis, and it leads to a metabolic condition called metabolic adaptation. This is when metabolism energy expenditure slow due to inadequate energy that has been coming in for a period of time. Essentially, your deficit calories become your new maintenance level. If I could like add some claps in between that, your, your deficit, clap, calories, clap, become, clap, your, clap, new, clap, maintenance, you guys. This is huge. Your old deficit calories become your new maintenance. You know what happens when you eat above maintenance? You gain weight. So if you or someone you know has ever gone on a diet, had some success, and then regained all the weight, this is why. What's really a kicker for people is that if energy expenditure is not restored, metabolic adaptation leads to metabolic disease, you guys. So metabolic disease can eventually lead to things like prediabetes, diabetes, and cardiovascular disease, which includes things like high cholesterol, high blood pressure, and arterial sclerosis. So with that being said, it might seem even more important to learn periodization of nutrition, right? And this is what really, really drives people insane because like for women in particular, okay, so let me just paint this picture for you. So you decide you're like, okay, I'm going to do it this time. You go on a diet, whatever it is, like whatever approach, it really doesn't even matter what you do. If you restrict total overall energy, if you restrict macronutrients, or if you restrict the times that you're eating, it doesn't matter. It all creates the same outcome, metabolic adaptation. Okay. So those, those deficit calories become your new maintenance. You're essentially eating nothing or you're eating very little. And then the weight plateaus start and you're like, well, I already feel like shit. And so what do I have to do? Just like keep dropping intake? No, 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 please don't. Please don't. If you need help getting out of this, let me know. But please don't do this. Please don't. So what happens is your, your metabolism is slowed. That is your new maintenance. So one of my mentors, she always talks about if you eat 1200 calories, you create a 1200 calorie metabolism. It's called energy matching. And so essentially, as soon as you start eating 13, 14, 1500 quickly, then you start to regain the weight really quickly. And then it's like, oh my God, like, how do you ever keep it off? And this is where I found myself. Now, I did eventually figure out, figure out reverse dieting and taking that slowly and steadily while also keeping my activity high or my activity up, I should say. But a lot of people don't. A lot of people don't. They just assume that they have to keep eating low calorie, keep restricting at that level. And then there's a trickle down effect of all of these conditions, you guys, 
all of these conditions. I was just putting together the curriculum for the Metabolism Mastermind this weekend, and I was going through and researching and looking at the current available literature as far as like, what are all of the associated potential complications of both metabolic adaptation and metabolic disease? And I'm here to tell you that it's a whole host of things. It's a whole host of things. So do you see now why I'm so passionate about this and why I believe that this needs to be included in public education and in public health along with healthcare, right? Like we could avoid so much of what we have going on if people actually understood this. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to do it, but if they understood it, then at least it would definitely prevent some of what we have going on. So let's talk about the different timelines for these things. So for a phase one deficit, anywhere from 10 to 16 weeks is what I personally use for my clients. And then for a diet break, which would be, we go into, you know, say that 10 to 16 weeks, and sometimes it's like six to eight weeks. And then, you know, the client is like, oh, I'm feeling really low energy. I'm not sleeping. Like, hey, could I get a diet break? Yep. Okay, cool. And then we set up a diet break for, you know, say seven to 21 days. Sometimes it's more than that. It just kind of depends on the person and kind of what they have going on. And then we can go into another deficit phase if needed for 10 to 16 weeks. So phase one deficit, 10 to 16 weeks, diet break, seven to 21 days, phase two deficit, 10 to 16 weeks, and then maintenance. So, excuse me, I missed one here. Reverse, (laughs) for reverse. So after phase two deficit two maintenance, you're going to need to reverse. So phase two, reverse, maintenance, okay? So reverse, there's really not like, Um, I mean, you could put a maximum on this, but ultimately we want to realize that the slower that we take this, the less likely it is that you are going to actually like gain a bunch of weight. Now, on average in reverse, I would say from a scale-based perspective, usually my clients gain anywhere from two to five pounds. But keep in mind that we are actually increasing that food back up. So a percentage of that, like I would even go as far as saying like a large percentage of percentage of that is actually just food volume. So what happens is when we start to look at progress fixtures and we look at measurements compared to where they were at in the deficit, they really don't change much, like maybe slightly. Um, but don't be don't be scared of that. So phase two deficit anywhere from 10 to 16 weeks and then go into a reverse. I would say, you know, on average, eight to 12, sometimes even 16 weeks. I mean, I have had some clients who have really long, severe chronic dieting histories that it has taken them probably 26 weeks to reverse. Um, and, And that's just how it was. Like in order to not prevent a bunch of bloating and complications of the reverse, we would just take it very slow and make sure that they felt really good while we were going through that process. And then from a maintenance perspective, there really is no time limit here, but definitely minimally, like absolute minimum, 16 weeks before attempting another phase one and phase two deficit in the future, if you need it. All right. And then a surplus. So from a metabolic disease prevention perspective, I use the same timeline as deficits. So I use a phase one and I use a phase two. But in general, I'm making sure that I'm really listening to my clients' biofeedback because if they're not able to get the calories in, then we need to look at, you know, what are they eating? Um, We don't want, I don't want you to just 
go to a bunch of junk foods in order to get the calories in. So sometimes we just have to scale the the surplus up, almost like you would scale a deficit down. And in general, I usually set them up as like a phase one, 10 to 16 weeks. That's like a very broad number, but sometimes it's less than that. And then we go into a longer surplus break. So anywhere from like four to eight weeks, depending upon the person and how they're feeling. Um, And also kind of pairing that up with their training, what they're doing on the training side, because that's also going to impact um, how the fuel, the surplus fuel that is coming in is going to be utilized. And then if we need to, or if they would like to, then we can go into a second phase two surplus for say 10 to 16 weeks or, you know, whatever is going to work for the client as far as how they're feeling and kind of what their goals are. So you guys, that is it for the episode. I wanted to make sure that you understood, you know, what the difference is between the two and also that you feel confident in understanding like why this is so important to truly understand these concepts. So overall, I hope that you at least walked away with one or two new things that you didn't know before you listened to the episode. And as always, I hope that it allows you to be able to get a little farther ahead. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Danny Abel podcast. If you're enjoying the show and you haven't already, consider subscribing and leaving me a five-star review. If you love the episode, screenshot it, share it to your story, and tag me. And lastly, if you have any questions, send me a DM and I'll see if I can help. Thanks again for listening. Take care.